everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. And who is we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. No, 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 no. No, I'm Mick. Not Mick. I'm Mick. Oh, you're Mick. Yes. We've got one that needs pruning. What? No, nothing, nothing to worry about. Okay. Just, uh, I've got some forms I need you to fill out. All right, okay. I mean, if you need me to prove everything that I've ever said, you've got all the recordings of the podcast, right? <laughs> like, like I, like I know where the recordings are. <laughs> What you need is a big organised bureaucracy to keep it all in order. Well, like some kind of podcast variance authority. Yes. So, yes, uh, we may as well admit we're kind of skipping the usual kind of preamble how we've been doing talk. Mainly because, peeking behind the curtain, it's been about 45 minutes since we've recorded the last episode. Well, actually, no, talk it's been about five minutes since yeah. we finished recording the last episode. So yeah, we may as well just get straight to the part where I say that today it is about time for us to be burdened with glorious purpose as we behold Loki. Which God, that, that intro doesn't work when it's like a person's name, does it? It doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't work when it's a person's name or a character. Behold Black Widow. I mean, it sounds like you're just going to hold up a poster of Black Widow or Captain America or Loki or whoever it is. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Behold, Loki. (laughs) I do actually have a Loki action figure. (laughs) I feel like this bit I'll probably have to cut out because it will make absolutely no sense to the audience. Anyway, yes, today we are going to be talking about the 2021 Disney Plus streaming series uh, created by Michael Waldron with all episodes directed by Kate Heron and based on the Marvel Comics character created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber and Jack Kirby. Well, I mean, actually created by, like, you know, people way back in ancient Norse times, but you know what I mean. I mean, technically created by the old father. I mean, well, no, technically created by a frost giant. Indeed, if we want to get technical about it. So yeah, Mick, how familiar are you with Loki? Uh, I remember Loki from... Do you, know, do you know what my first memory of Loki is? Um, what was it when your contemporaries first started writing down the Norse sagas? Ooh, bit harsh. <laughs> Look, it's a new series of Behold. I've got to at least get one Mickey's old joke in there at the start. My, I mean, it's it's not far from the truth. My first memory of Loki is seeing him on a set of Marvel Top Trump cards in about 1976. Wait, is this like the same pack 
in which our, our like occasional co-host Rob develops his deep, unrelenting hatred for Baron Zemo. Could well be. Mike. It um, all comes back to top trumps. There was uh, there was a whole host of Marvel characters that I was unaware of uh, that that cropped up in that. Mm, Wait, so like... so are you saying that there were a series of Marvel characters that you were unfamiliar with, and so in order to get familiar with them and give yourself an advantage over them, you carried around a set of collectible trading cards with all their information on. No, because top trumps weren't collectible trading cards. Oh, so so you are not quite Squirrel Girl then. No, that is uh, that is the first no, of I'm sure many disappointments. This this <laughs> this was the thing about top trumps. You didn't you didn't gain anything by playing it. You just played it for fun. Huh. Anyway, Loki. Loki. Ah, yes, the Loki, Loki. You see what I did there? I, I did. You made a wordplay that is kind of lost in the fact that they both sound exactly the same. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, from reading Thor comics throughout the years, Loki pops up in there, those a lot, and... Um, the aforementioned Trumps, I remember him from, uh, in which he brought an uncanny resemblance to Richard E. Grant, it has to be said. And then, um, obviously, Tom Hiddleston's uh, portrayal in the in the MCU. And then this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know Loki's always been kind of a character I've liked. I think the main thing I remember in the comics is there's a really great Thor storyline where um, Thor, Odin and Loki all have to team up to stop Surtur, the, the kind of fire demon. And there's just this one panel of kind of Thor going, for Midgard! And Odin going, for Asgard! And then Loki going, for myself! <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, the character of Loki, I mean, obviously there's also the as you mentioned before, there's the mythological Loki, which this is uh, the comic book version is an adaptation of in itself. Um, and he's an interesting character, quite likable, quite mischievous, as you'd expect in a god of mischief. So, yeah, I think that's the advantage with the sort of Asgardian characters in Marvel. Even if you're not a huge Marvel fan, you kind of have a passing knowledge of them. Because the, the actual mythological elements are still there in the comics. Yes, exactly. And I think most people are kind of familiar enough with things like Thor and Odin and Loki to have that kind of base level knowledge going in. Yeah. Exactly that. But yeah, and obviously, as we've gone, I think Loki... But if he has proven to be a very popular character, that's why he has kind of become more kind of, I, I guess, heroic or kind of anti-heroic. Yeah, yeah. There's a sort of a reluctance to his heroics, isn't there? When he does it. 
yeah, it's always kind of tinged with a little bit of, but how can I help myself out while I'm also helping others? Yeah. And yes, it's like some interesting books. And there's also sort of um, an element of, there's always this rivalry between him and Thor, but you always get the impression that if it really came down to it, it, he would save his brother. Yes, yeah, so that's definitely been like one of the best things. Because oh, obviously, Loki originally, he was just very one dimensional. Wahaha, I'm the evil villain. Gonna take over Asgard, because why not? Yeah. But I think that has been one of the more interesting elements. Is like he does clearly have a lot of love for Thor as a brother. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's an interesting dynamic they've got. And even that could, could still have the nuance of. I like having Thor as a brother because he keeps bailing me out of my idiot schemes. Yes, he's going to be the one who's going to come save me when it inevitably blows up in my face. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also been interesting because something very relevant to this series that we've seen a lot more in the more modern comics is this idea of there being kind of different versions of Loki. Yeah. Like he had things like, because obviously he's died a couple of times and then come back. First of all, he came back kind of like as Lady Loki after the the big Ragnarok thing. Then later on, he died, came back as like a child version of Loki. Then that version got taken over by like the old Loki, but then he kind of became like a new Loki. And then you can do things like having, because you've got the main version of Loki. Then you've also got the idea of this like character called King Loki who is kind of an older Loki from the future. And it's this way of having, like, the new, more heroic Loki, but then also, like, another version who is, like, the old, full-on supervillain Loki. Yeah. And yeah, it's, just, it's been interesting, because it kind of ties in a lot of stuff about, like, sort of fate and sort of free will. Like... Mm-hmm. Is Loki capable of change or is he always going to be evil because he is like the god of mischief and he has to stick to that role? Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost asking the question, is he the god of mischief because that's what he is? Or is he the god of mischief because that's what he chooses to be? Yes, exactly. That's kind of like one of the, the big things with, with Loki stories. Yeah. I guess also... What we should probably do for this episode is not just comics background, but maybe talk a little bit about Loki's background in the MCU. Yes. Because obviously he has been on, you know, quite a journey, starting off, like we say, kind of Loki's jealous brother. Then he became like a... You mean Thor's jealous brother? I do mean Thor's jealous brother. Loki is not Loki... A Loki variant could be Loki's jealous brother in a different timeline. Yes, see, maybe that's what I meant. Maybe maybe I'm talking about my branching timeline, where Loki is his own brother. But yeah, Loki, Thor's brother, finds out he's actually adopted by Odin. His parents are actually frost giants. Tries to take over Asgard. That fails. Gets whiffed off into space. Meets Thanos. Comes back to Earth. um, Ends up kind of invading Earth with an alien army. The Avengers form to stop him. 
which actually that ties back to the comics as well, because you know Loki is also the one who's responsible for making the Avengers form in that. Uh, but yeah, his invasion fails. Then kind of gets imprisoned on Asgard, fakes his own death, uh, meets back up with Thor, kind of becomes a bit more heroic during Thor Ragnarok, and then Thanos kind of just makes him dead. Yeah. And that would seem to be the end of Loki's story. Indeed. Or is it? <laughs> I mean, it, it isn't. It's the, the episode's titled Loki, and we're talking about the Loki TV series. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and speaking oh. of that TV series, shall I move on to the synopsis? Oh, please do. I'm looking forward to this. Okay, so yeah, this <laughs> this one took a lot of thinking through of how to best describe it. You haven't given me spoiler warning. I haven't, but as always, there will be spoilers for the full series. And as as we've taken to seeing this series, you knew what you were getting into. <laughs> so, oh, actually, before we do, uh, other bit we need to mention about MCU Loki. So, Avengers Endgame, the Avengers go back in time to the events of the first Avengers film because uh, they need to yes. steal the Infinity Stones to stop Thanos. As part of that, though, they end up getting into a fight with their kind of past selves. And during the confusion, Loki manages to grab the uh, the Cosmic Cube or the Tesseract, as they call it in the MCU, and kind of basically runs off into the time stream. And the Loki TV series picks up pretty much immediately after that. So, after escaping into the time stream, Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, soon finds himself captured by the Time Variance Authority and brought to their head judge, Ravonna Renslayer, Gugu and Bathara, and that's maybe the right way to pronounce her name. I have no idea. <laughs> so, Ravonna explains that by deviating his set destiny, Loki has become a variant and caused a branch in the timeline so that now he must be erased from existence to preserve the integrity of the one and only sacred timeline, which the TVA are sworn to protect at the behest of their mysterious leaders, the Timekeepers. However, Agent Mobius M. Mobius, Owen Wilson, convinces Ravonna to spare Loki so that he can help the TVA catch a dangerous rogue variant who is trying to destabilise the whole timeline, a variant who just so happens to also be a Loki. So Loki and Mobius, our Loki, not, not the other Loki, discovered that this variant, played by Sophia DiMartino, is hiding out in various apocalypses and using the imminent destruction of everything to mask any timeline changes her existence causes. So it's basically the idea that kind of because everything is about to be wiped out anyway, anything she does at that point, like, doesn't have any effect on the timeline. So they track her to one such apocalypse, but are unable to stop her from detonating a bomb made out of reset charges that the TVA used to fix branching timelines. Uh, using, the chaos to using the chaos to distract the TVA, Lady Loki opens a portal to their headquarters, and our Loki follows her, thwarting her plan to reach the Timekeepers 
by stranding them both on an alien planet on the brink of an explosion. Uh, while trapped, the two Lokis bond. Loki, Lady Loki reveals that her real name is Sylvie and that she wants revenge on the TVA after they kidnapped her as a child for breaking the sacred timeline. Uh, Loki, de Loki decides to work with Sylvie and they eventually make their way back to the TVA and to confront the timekeepers, discovering that they're nothing more than robots. Uh, before they can process this though, Loki is pruned by Ravonna, seemingly erasing him from existence. Uh, however, he is in fact transported to the end of the universe to be consumed by a massive cloud-like creature called Alioth. Uh, Loki is able to defeat Alioth though with the help of Sylvie, Mobius and two other Loki variants. One a child, Jack Reel, and the other an old man, Richard E. Grant. Although old Loki is killed during the fight. Also, there's a, there's a Loki who is an alligator. He's, he's just kind of there. <laughs> so, now able to travel beyond the end of the universe, Loki and Sylvie are able to confront the true head of the TVA, He Who Remains, played by Jonathan Majors. Uh, he Who Remains explains that he is a scientist from the 31st century who discovered the existence of parallel universes. After a long and bloody war with his alternate selves, he created the TVA to ensure that there was only one single timeline. Uh, having grown tired of ruling the timeline though, he who remains wants Loki and Sylvie to take his place. Loki is tempted, but Sylvie pushes him through a portal back to the TVA and kills he who remains. Uh, back at the TVA, Loki discovers that no one remembers who he is and all the statues of the timekeepers have been replaced by one of a variant of he who remains. Statues that look very Conqueror-esque. <laughs> and there we go. That's Loki series one. Easy as. Yeah. I, I, I apologize if like you haven't actually seen Loki because that is, that's a lot of plot to condense into a short plot summary. It is. Um, and I can't wait for season two. Yes, season two. But not in the way. Not in the way that I usually can't wait for a season two. It's, is there a dying whale in your room, Mick? I think. I think uh, what's happened is that someone on our street has bought a child a bike but hasn't bought that child some oil for the bike or they've bought them the oil for the oil for the bike but haven't taught them how to apply it oh well yeah those those are some screechy brakes then yeah but anyway as you were saying oh, oh no wait no wait there is a dying whale sorry oh, oh no i missed that earlier <laughs> it's quite large that's fine like, thinking about Loki takes a lot of brain power. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to season two because there might be some plot that actually takes you somewhere. Mm, yeah, I, I guess. So, I feel like I, I maybe enjoyed Loki kind of more than you did then. I, I well... It's one of those things where 
I kind of think one division. I wasn't sure whether I was enjoying it when it was happening, and then when I got to the end, I realised I'd liked it as a whole. Yeah. Loki's kind of the opposite. I kind of enjoyed it as it was happening. But got to the end and went, really? I've sat through all those episodes for that? It was lost too. Yeah, I, I guess. So something I get the thing specifically with the final episode is that because going into that, we didn't know that this was series one of Loki. And kind of the assumption yeah. was that it's a, like a six issue, a six issue, I've read too many comics, six episode miniseries and, you know, everything will be wrapped up by the end. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a bit deflating where it was just, all oh, right, no, this is just setting up like the next series of it. Yeah. And so. That, that. That's the thing, though. Ultimately, nothing much happens, but in order for nothing much to happen, they do pack a hell of a lot of story into six episodes. And for my money, they pack more story into six episodes than WandaVision did into nine. And it, it just... It felt like none of it got the justice it deserved. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I think we just, we feel very differently about this because I thought, like, I, I did enjoy the way that it just, it zipped through things at quite a pace. Like, you never really knew what was, like, basically the fourth episode was full of stuff that I thought was going to happen, like, in the final episode. And I did, I enjoyed being, like, kept on my toes by stuff like that. Yeah, and, and like I said, I enjoyed the... I enjoyed what was happening while it was happening. It's just when you get to the end of the six episodes, looking back, I thought, meh. As a whole, I don't think it was quite as satisfying as it might have been. Well, it's again, it's also, it's the fact that it's only series one. Yeah. But you don't find that out until you've got to the end of the sixth episode. That's the thing. Yeah, I would say that's maybe that's the big mistake it made, is it should have been yeah. clearer up front that this is series one of question mark rather than it's just this one bit. Yeah. I mean, even, even, if, you, even if there wasn't a series two, but it was the lead up to... Uh, Loki appearing in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or, you know, something like that. It's still, for my mind, it still needed an end of season proper ending. See, I, I would argue that it did in them, you know, meeting He Who Remains, finding out, you know, what's going on with the TVA. Like, they have solved the central mystery of the series. They have. And then almost kind of sort of set up another one. Yeah, which, I mean, again, that's that's kind of how TV works. Well, it... Except in this case, it's almost the same mystery, just slightly tweaked. 
it feels like not that much has changed. If, if you take the classic um, movie premise of your character has to go on a journey from A to B, otherwise there's no point telling your story. I, I'm not really seeing that much of a journey from a, from episode one start to episode six finish. And yet there's a hell of a lot goes on in, in, in the middle. If, if I can be slightly pretentious for a moment, I think it's because it's... Oh, a, please do. I, I think the thing is it's, is, it's more of like a character journey than a plot journey. Like it's about Loki going from being this very like selfish he's only interested in like looking out for himself to being like someone who's actively trying to save all of existence yeah i think the other thing for me is i found i found that um this the idea that the series doesn't seem to know what it wants to be in between episodes. So the first couple of episodes seem to be turning it into a sort of um, buddy movie between Loki and Mobius. Then the middle two seem to be setting it up as a buddy movie between Sylvie and Loki with a little bit of romance thrown in as well. And then both those ideas seem to get cast aside in the last two. It just, for me, it just, it, it lacks a, a direction. And I don't know whether that was them trying to get across the whole idea that a universe full of variants is chaotic or not. But for me, it just didn't work. It was enjoyable to watch. But looking back over it, it doesn't hold tight. I don't think, personally. See, see again, I disagree because I feel like those character relationships, they all have a specific point that it reaches within the series. Like, Mobius helps Loki grow as a person. Loki helps Mobius realise that kind of the TVA, he shouldn't just, like, not question the bureaucracy that he's part of. And then with Sylvie and Loki, you've kind of got that whole tragic romance of them kind of starting as enemies, then they bond. But then in the end, like, they realise they just, they don't trust each other, and it kind of falls apart. Mm. I think what bugs me is that no one gets a satisfactory ending. Obviously, Loki doesn't. of what you've just described with Sylvie and the realisation that they don't trust each other. Mobius doesn't get a satisfactory entry. Because he just ends up effectively being reset. Well, maybe depending on what's going on. Maybe, but to all intents and purposes he gets reset. So all his fabulous revelations are for naught, as far as we know at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's again, that's something I feel like I'd need a few episodes of season two before I could comment on it. Yeah. 
Well, that, that that's just it. In order to talk about season one of a series, you shouldn't need season two to air first. I, I, I don't know that I'd, that I'd agree with that. Because it it's specifically around like the bits that they've set up for the continuation of the story. And I feel like sometimes you do need to know okay, where is that plot point going to lead to before I can kind of have a firm opinion on it? Well, I'll... Yeah. Hmm. Basically, it's... God, I wish I could go back in time and tell my younger self, yeah, I know this Game of Thrones show seems pretty cool at the moment, but it's probably not worth bothering with if I were you. Yeah. Uh... That, but, I mean, for me, I'm seeing that in Loki before it gets too far. <laughs> before I get to season eight, I'm seeing it already. It may just be that I'm so old and jaded and cynical after sitting through Lost. I think you are. I think you've just become a right proper Richard E. Grant. <laughs> There's no point. He said as he sits here in his big green nappy. I mean that that was a magnificent scene. The the bit where he's casting the illusions. Yeah, as like a ride of the Valkyries plays in the background. Yeah, in a massive green nappy. I believe Richard E. Grant and his wardrobe crew sort of nicknamed the costume Kermit. Yeah, because if if anyone hasn't seen it, we do need to point out. That what Richard E. Grant wears is a completely perfect comics accurate representation of Loki's 60s comic book costume. So it's just like this green bodysuit with like weird yellow tassely bits. Which I should point out is exactly what Loki is wearing on those 1976 Marvel top trump cards. They knew, they knew all along. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. There's something. There was something not right about it. I don't know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't wholeheartedly enjoy it. It's. I mean. It was a bit of a cure. If I am being critical. Very nice bits. I will say that, yes, I do feel like it's more that we've seen kind of the first six episodes of series one rather than, say, like a whole first series of it. Hmm. Almost like those shows that got curtailed when there was the writer's strike on a few years yeah. back. Or that, that one time where some TV shows only got half a series and then got delayed because there was that, that global pandemic. Do you remember that, Mick? Do you remember that one yeah. time when there was a global pandemic? I do remember that time. That bit where you were sat there and you were watching your favourite shows and it got to the end of the run and you thought, oh great, I can't wait to see what happens next week. And it turned out there wasn't a next week because they just decided to stop after 17 episodes instead of 20. Yeah. 
God, we're still like waiting on the final episode of Doom Patrol series two, aren't we? Yeah. God. <laughs> what a what a terrible decade these past two years have been. <laughs> and I guess, you know, on the on the flip side of that, I guess any criticisms we want to level at like TV and stuff um, TV and films and stuff that come out in this dark decade we we kind of need to bear in mind that there were all sorts of restrictions on productions and stuff like that but at the same time as the, the pandemic caused restrictions it also caused a demand for content because more people were at home, more people weren't working during the day because they were on furlough or whatever. So Yeah, God, that's like the rhyme of the ancient mariner, isn't it? People at home wanting TV to watch, but we can't film any of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, should we should we maybe try and talk about at least some unambiguous positives about Loki. Um, I thought the cast were largely excellent. Yeah, definitely. It is, ve it is very difficult to see Owen Wilson as past being anything other than Owen Wilson, though, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah, no, he, he was definitely just playing Owen Wilson. But I thought him and Tom Hiddleston, they, they had some really great chemistry together. Um, and actually, him and Gugum and Bathurst as well. Like I yeah. do, I do like, I like that kind of old colleagues relationship that they've got. Yeah, I liked um, Hunter B seventeen. Oh, she was good. The the one played by yeah. the actress whose name I didn't note down. Thanks a lot, Mick. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's a but she was she was. She was awesome in the way that... I mean, she really had a character arc. Talk about your character arcs. Yeah, she did, because she is the one who was, like, probably the most fanatical about the TVA. So, of course, yeah. like, she is the one who ends up learning that, no, turns out the TVA have been lying about their agents. Like, they're not specially made cosmic beings. They're just, like, yeah. other variants who get kidnapped and kind of press ganged into working for them. Yeah. Which I've got to admit, I was dead certain that the reveal for that was going to be Owen Wilson meeting another Owen Wilson. I thought he was going to meet the Owen Wilson from the sofa ads. Yes, that's the one who keeps hanging out of Ravana's office. Just yeah. reclining on her lounge and going, wow. Yeah. Picking up a guitar and going, it's shaped around the human body. <laughs> Which I guess now canonically those sofa adverts are linked to the MCU. Yeah, because yeah, it's just a Mobius variant. Because he's never named in the adverts. Exactly. God, this yeah. is like the new orphan black, isn't it? And, and the surfboard. Oh no, the, the jet ski. It's jets, but you know, a man who has a surfboard mounted on his wall surely has a jet <sighs> ski parked down that by the beach. 
You're right. He is a Mobius. <laughs> Actually, I, I do have a little fun fact about Mobius. Yeah. So he, he does exist in the Marvel comics uh, in a right. fairly similar role. He's actually, he's a bit more senior. He's basically the guy who runs like the day-to-day bits of the TVA, uh, which is also staffed almost entirely by other clones of Mobius. And that's because right. it's like, it's a fun little in-joke uh, of the idea that Mobius is based on like the Marvel editor Mark Grunewald, who was famous for basically um i'm like a perfect recollection of even the most like obscure trivia details so the idea of of course mark grunewald is the one who runs like the agency dedicated to keeping the timeline on track because he's the only one who knows like all the little details and i thought that was just that was just a nice little kind of tribute to him because he did sadly pass away uh, quite young right it's like, okay. it's like there's a really nice bit in a Fantastic Four comic where they go to heaven and meet God, and it's literally just Jack Kirby. Hey, excellent. Um, I've just on the backdrop I've got, I've just noticed Loki's tie, and it bears an uncanny resemblance to Tom Baker's Doctor Who scarf in its colour scheme and pattern. I wonder if that was a little nod, what with them doing time variants and... Because it's a bit Time Lordy. Oh, it? yeah, I, I think Loki is a show that's very unsubtle in the fact that it's influenced by Doctor Who. Yeah. And actually, like Doctor Who, some bloody great music. <laughs> And uh, I noticed that Miss Minutes was um, voiced by Tara Strong, who's actually got a huge um, back catalogue of voice uh, artistry on the DC Animated Universe. Yes, Tara Strong, voice of Have You Seen an Animated Show? One of the voices in that, most likely. Yes. Because she. I think she's played pretty much every female DC character. Yeah, I think the one she's the most well known for is probably Raven. Yeah. But no, she's basically she's been Raven. I'm pretty sure she's been Batgirl in a few things. Yeah. I'm sure she's been Harley in some things. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely been Harley at some point. Yeah. But no, she's just, she's always very good. And like, she does bring a Quite a big amount of chance to miss minutes. Yeah, I, th- I think I, th- I think it must be one of those things where because there's been several actors who've done DC and Marvel, and um, I just wonder if there was a, a bit where she was approached to be in the Marvel universe and thought, "This is it, finally! I'm not going to be voicing an animated character." Oh wait, you want me to voice an animated character? <laughs> In a live-action series. I mean, unless she does go down the Paul Bettany route. <laughs> Becomes a new Vision. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there is a character called Jocasta who is basically like the Vision's... I mean, I guess the the only good way to say it is sister-wife. Right. 
because robot relationships can get weird sometimes. Okay. Does Wanda know? Um, so, but is she even? I, I feel like that's maybe some different continuities. But yeah, she's <laughs> she's like another robot who joins the Avengers. Right. And I think she has a bit of a thing with the vision. She has a bit of a thing with Hank Pym at one point because her brain patterns are based on the Wasp. Okay. That comic's weird. Yeah, sometimes I forget when I just like offhandedly mention something like that. It, oh no, wait, that's <laughs> that's quite a weird thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> so, um... No, that's right. I don't think she was the Vision's sister wife. I'm pretty sure Ultron built her as a daughter wife. Which is perhaps oh, yeah, worse. That sounds so much better. <laughs> I mean, I was technically thinking about it. Because if Ultron is Hank Pym's son, then it's kind of more like a daughter-mother wife. Are these comics based in Norfolk? No, but that, but that does kind of, in a way, bring us on to Kang the Conqueror, <laughs> who one time did make. A, no, I was, was going to say Ms. Marvel. Captain Marvel for MCU fans did make her pregnant with himself one time. Mark. I mean, also, technically, it wasn't Kang, it was Immortus, who was like the future version of Kang. I refer you to my earlier question. I mean, it's. You know, when an elderly time being needs a new body and finds a lady attractive, sometimes what he does is use questionable methods of seduction to get her pregnant with a baby who is actually the same elderly time master and then the baby gets born and grows into adulthood in the space of a day and then goes off with the lady to his time palace and the Avengers kind of all stand around and go, yeah, this seems fine. So, so Harvey Weinstein is Kang the Conqueror? God, basically, <laughs> it's it's literally maybe one of the worst comics ever made. Because <laughs> it's it's treated as, as like, oh, this is a nice, sweet, romantic thing. And so, no, you just like Carol Danvers run off with her own baby, who maybe mind controlled her into having sex with him. <laughs> There's no way you can make that plot synopsis sound good, is there? No. No, there isn't. It's good, wholesome comic book fun. I mean, possibly <laughs> you can't because it's very, very, very bad. It is indeed. Um... Anyway, the TVA, I like the look of the TVA. Just as like a big intergalactic sort of government department it's how it, it's it reminded me of the comic book version of the city of a thousand planets it very much had that 
inspiration. Yeah, it's also got quite like a sort of Terry Gilliam feel to it as well. Hmm. Yeah. And I think I think that's the thing that got me about this TV. It didn't. Obviously, it felt like a TV show because it was episodic, but it had a proper, proper MCU budget attached. Clearly. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think both Falcon and the Winter Soldier and One Division, again, probably for COVID reasons, that their special effects were quite rushed. But no, Loki, they just went like all out on it. Yeah. Like, I think there's that one bit where they're trapped on the, the alien planet that's falling apart and they're running through the city to try and like get to a spaceship in time. And just like the whole city's kind of crumbling about them and it's all done in one shot and that just that looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm glad you're prompting me with these good bits because I, I'm struggling to remember anything that... And you know, this isn't like something that I watched before lockdown and we're talking about. This is something that you know, finished a couple of weeks ago. And I know I enjoyed watching it at the time. This is the thing. I just felt a bit... It's it's almost sounds like you've had, like, a less bad version of what I had with Falcon Winter Soldier. Of, like, I enjoyed it kind of up until the end of the last episode. And so they went, actually, was that maybe a bit rubbish? Yeah, yeah. But that's because I think the ending did like some very specific things that really undercut everything it tried to set up. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this just... Whereas that, I think this just felt like it was less than the sum of its parts. Yeah, it's again, it maybe feels like the halfway point of a series rather than like the ending of it. Yeah. And, uh, but I also think that for for me anyway, my expectations with this were probably higher than they were for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I was probably maybe just more interested in seeing where it was going. But I just, yeah. I, I like what it set up. Like, especially I like the stuff with He Who Remains slash Kang or whatever. And just like the whole idea of him being, like, I want you to take over from me. But I'm also not that first, because if you just kill me, then the multiverse will reoccur, and then I'll just get, like, reborn again and just do this all over again. Yeah. I do. I just like his whole kind of weird, slightly off-kilter, kind of very Wizard of Oz-esque performance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, the, the individual performances, the individual plot lines and other bits and pieces I don't really have a problem it's it's how they all sit together that kind of don't work for me yet okay well shall we move on to the difficult bit then what remembering who played on to be 17 no, that, that information is just lost to time. Unfortunately, we'll never know it. <laughs> it's been proved. Exactly, yes. 
But no, it is it is time for us to rank Loki on our master list, going from one to thirty nine. Okay. Um. So, yeah, after consideration, because I know obviously comparably we've got one division as our number five. I would put it lower than right. that, because I think like the core of one division of like dealing with trauma is a lot stronger than than Loki's core. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just. So what have we got uh, below immediately below one division? So one division to run through the rest of our top ten, because one division now being our number five after Black Widow took the number four spot. We've got Jessica Jones season one, Sin City, The Boys season two, Resident Alien, and then Deadpool at number ten. I'd be tempted to put it just above uh, the boys season two. Oh, okay, interesting. So, so you'd still put it in the the top ten. I don't know. That means putting it above Deadpool, and I don't think it's as good as Deadpool. See, I again for that whole thing that it feels like a mid-season finale rather than a season finale. Yeah, it's god because I know, as much as I've been talking it up, it does feel like we're trying to rank an incomplete thing. It's like it's it's like you you mentioned Game of Thrones earlier. It's like trying to review the first couple of episodes of any given season of Game of Thrones where they're just moving pieces into position. It's all setting it up so that everybody's in the right place for the that season's storylines to play out. That's what this feels like. It's six episodes of getting enough backstory in so that you can understand what happens in the next six episodes. Yeah, it's... Also, weirdly, I feel like as the Loki defender, I'm going to suggest we put it lower down because, like, after after Deadpool, we've still got some very good stuff. Like, we've got The Boys Season 1, Umbrella Academy Season 2, Men in Black, mm. uh, then the Watchmen 2019 miniseries. That seems so. I know. Awkward, I mean, I think that was like one of the first episodes, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. <laughs> but Watchmen had such a long run as number one, just by virtue of us not watching much good stuff. Um. But no, Loki again. As someone who liked Loki quite a bit, I'd, I'd put it beneath Men in Black. And again, I mean. Oh, like Crisis on Infinite Earths at 15. Got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 at number 16. And again, taking into account that, that whole thing about it's the best adaptation, 
Crisis on Infinite Earth is more of an adaptation than Loki. Yeah, because that, that's, again, that's the main reason we put Crisis so high, is because it just swings for yeah. the fences. Like, it, yeah. it doesn't have the budget for half of what it wants to do, but it tries to do it anyway, and that's actually quite impressive. And it's got to be admired, because <laughs> it pulls it off more often than it doesn't. You, you know what I'd be tempted to say? I'd, I'd say... 17, we've got Birds of Prey. 18, we've got Iron Man. Maybe Loki in between those two. Is that movie? Yeah, that's movie Birds of Prey. Good Birds of Prey, not bad Birds of Prey. Oh, the Birds of Prey is much, much, much further down the list. Yeah, that seems fair. Okay, great. Let's uh, put that in there. So... Loki, oh, that's Loki season half. Because I, I'm, I'm not going to call you a full series, Loki. That's what you get. <laughs> Six episodes is nothing these days. No, that's, I mean, what, what are they, British? Like, having, having... <laughs> is it a Exactly. <laughs> Having six episodes is our thing. <laughs> See, if you're going to try and one-up this like this, we're just going to get more Sherlock. More of, yeah, three episodes <laughs> is a series. <laughs> well, apparently the next series of Doctor Who is taking a leaf out of Loki's book and being one long story. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. Which... I mean, I, f I feel like the long-form storytelling Doctor Who stuff is always my least favourite. Well, this is it. I, I don't mind long-form storytelling in Doctor Who, but I, I like the old-school stuff. You know, the stuff I grew up on, where you had three, uh, you had four or five or six episodes. Yeah, but that's also like... Telling one story, but that was only like a third of yeah, a Yeah, and that's, you know, three episodes that are 20 minutes long each. Yeah. Like, I don't want, you know, a whole 12 episodes telling one story, which, based on past Doctor Who stories, is probably going to be a bit crap. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it didn't really work well. Mind you, this is the problem. Trial of a Time Lord was a 13-episode arc, but even within that... Yeah, I mean, Trial of Time, that, that was more like... A framing device, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it's just the time I was yeah. going, Oi, Doctor, remember this time you did that thing? Yeah. Well, then it turned out no, because no yeah. one could. And also, again, it's modern Who, so it's going to be like 13 episodes for them to go, Yeah, it's, it's the Daleks again. Oh, no, no, it's going to be a six episode. Oh, right, it's only six episodes. Okay, that's yeah. not as bad, though, but it's still... It's six episodes for them to go. I uh, know it's the Daleks, but this time they've got Cybermen helmets as well. It's Cyberlex. You see, I like there is a not inconceivable chance that it is just Cyberlex. Yeah. Which sounds like a Superman villain. Oh my god, it is. It's basically like Lex Luthor when he's got Brainiac bits on him. 
it could be Darman. Yeah, but they, they sound quite adorable. <laughs> That's how they get you. That's how they invade. Oh, they're like big teddy bears with laser eyes. Still, that would yeah. be actually a cool Doctor <laughs> Who villain. Do that. <laughs> right. Well, we've we've talked, we've synopsized, we've rated, we've read. Yeah, we've then gone completely off topic. I think we've ticked all the beholders. We've disagreed. We've, de we've, we've deviated. Yeah, we've done it. We've got the full behold bingo. Absolutely. So I think with that, that's about it from us. Uh, if you would like to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or just wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, if you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you did leave us a review just on your podcast app of choice. Uh, it is the best way for us to get heard on new audiences. But if uh, you'd rather not leave a review, maybe just recommend us to a friend as well. So with that. Or indeed an enemy. Yeah. Or, or someone you only have a passing acquaintance with. Or just random is on the streets. Or Terry down the garage. Just anyone, please. <laughs> anyway, until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mick. So long, and thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>